Yo. Yo. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. Michael Morgan, we are back in the building, shots fired, starring, in the hot seat, in bed, no less, Jacenda Malata. <laughs> yeah, um, for, the, for the year and a bit that we've been doing this, people, the majority of the time I've been doing it from the comfort of my bed. Now that we're doing it on Zoom, you get to actually see it. <laughs> but I hope you're all well, folks. I hope you're all well. We, we get to see it in, in, in living colour, hopefully not you touching yourself throughout, but never mind. You get to see my floral pillow, pillows as well. Obviously, I chose these. Incredible, incredible. <laughs> and next up, we have G, corporate G, all suited and booted. Look at yes, you. Yes, G is at work, snuck into somebody's office just to talk to y'all. So I'm going to keep it down so I don't get caught, but I am at work. How y'all doing? <laughs> all the best for seeing you all. And finally, last but by no means least, Kairos, the host with the most. What's going down, my brother? I'm just trying to get active this week. My boo's not fighting. The world's over. I don't care about anything anymore. Oh, Macy Chiazon's um, fight was rescheduled, so Kairos is a little sensitive this week, fellas. But it is. Be grateful. At least it's not kind of like kicked into the ether. At least she's going to be fighting. It's what, March now, isn't it? Or April? It's February 27th. Get the date right, Mike. Man. You acting like it's six months from now. Never mind. Exactly. Y'all, okay, that's like four weeks. That's a long time. Two weeks. I have my permission to drag him. I don't feel bad for him anymore. <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> these, these work weeks are long. Oh. You know, speaking of dragging, um, I think we've kind of like uh, dragged this intro long enough. Let's start at the top as we mean to go on with guns blazing, Chisanga Malata. So I seldom like to come for fellow media members and MMA media members, but comments made by Stephen A. Smith, if you can even call him an MMA media member, I think he's more just of a, uh, I'm trying to think of a nice way to, uh, to, to say this, because I, I, I do have some element of respect for him, however small, because he is, he is uh, he's a black man who's carved, carved a niche at the, uh, the worldwide leader in sports. So you have to respect that also. But what I don't respect is are the comments that he made this week during the Black on Air podcast. Now, I, I, I don't know if any of you actually listened to it, the, the, full, the full context of the, of the conversation, but I'm just going to read out some of what he said. For example, I don't ever want to see a woman boxing a man. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see a woman fighting in the UFC, fighting a man in the UFC, even though there are some women out there that will kick a dude's butt. We all get that. When I think about pugilistic sports, I don't think about women involved at all. In it at all, sorry. I just don't like it. I don't want to. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna cut there because I'm actually getting irate. You guys get the gist of it. I'm sure everybody listening and watching are, are familiar with the comments. The the de de derogatory and derisory and and backwards comments from Stephen A. Smith. Now, a lot of people were 
surmising and, and thinking that Stephen has deliberately said this because he has said some inflammatory stuff in the past, maybe just to put himself back into the in the limelight, or maybe I don't even know. Dare I say, boost some ESPN ratings or or search for his names and clicks on ESPN's website. What were you, what were your reactions to to the comments? I'm sure you were all your your blood was all boiling like mine, and I think I'm gonna go to Kairos first because Kairos obviously lives in the United States and I'm sure he's watched Stephen A ad nauseum. All right. Uh, let me pre preface this with saying I'm a huge Stephen A Swift fan because I watch other sports, mm -hmm. not, not because of MMA. I'll just, I understand he's very limited there, but here's the problem. Even if he was saying what he was saying, just to bolster views and traffic concerning the sport and sacrificing himself so that MMA can be in the limelight. That's dumb because the same people who want to say, well, Kobe's just trying to do it to get a reaction. I can't in good conscience make that same argument or let this be okay for Stephen A. Smith to do it. You know, and I think that the biggest problem with him is this. He's willing to do whatever. He's proven that he's willing to say whatever it takes to get traction. And he, to be fair, he sacrificed a lot. Like when he went to go watch McGregor versus Cerrone, he, he went out of his own way to do that. ESPN did not say, hey, we need you to do X, Y, Z. He drove there without being paid to do so, made it to the event, went, did whatever media stuff he did, and then left out of his own time, out of his own pocket, just for the love of the sport. So I can't sit there and acknowledge that this guy is just the worst thing to happen to the sport. This guy doesn't care about the sport when he does something like that. And then you look back and you're like, well, he said X, Y, Z about Cowboy. And then Cowboy comes out a few months later and says, yeah, that was true. And then like people just ignore it. So yeah. I'm not going to sit here and completely discredit him, but I am going to say he's out of pocket for that. And it makes no sense how you could even fix your lips to say that when you just had a fight of the year by two women, when you've had multiple world champions and multiple superstars who are women. You, like, it's just like, there's two, it's not 19, it's not, 1406 anymore whatever year you want to pick it's not that time anymore yeah, so it's i just outdated like, yeah i don't mm -hmm. i don't understand yeah yeah gee the same as you chimed in there what, what what's your thoughts uh, on it i'm sure more so your blood was was boiling than ours no actually believe it or not i was pretty mild tempered about it i put out some tweets about his comment but i think kairos and i talked about this briefly in the dms i just don't get riled up by him because i just don't take him serious i honestly believe that him and espn got together and was like how can we say something controversial right now for mma fans it's a little quiet right now so they came up with this i don't even really know if he believes those things because like cairo said that this is outdated information what person right now is like i don't want to watch woman whatever we're all in the game it's 2021 there's wnba there's women wrestlers there's women you know football leagues there's all types of things going on so women are a part of the game so for him to say that seems staged and outdated and i don't think mma fans should get riled up by him he's not a, he's not really good at his job when it comes to mma but quick question for kairos you watch other sports is stephen a smith good at covering other sports i don't know anything about he him is. He is. Yeah, he's is a he? savant. Like he, real he talk. Is. He is like the cream of the crop. He's the cream of the cream of the cream. Really? Of the crop. Like he knows whether it's. He knows his in, shit. Yes, NBA and the NFL. He knows. He like I can't tell you about baseball. I don't know anything about baseball, so, but, but he probably he does, knows yeah. football and basketball very well. Wow. And I, I had levels. tweeted, yeah, I had tweeted that. I tried to be respectful of it because I was like, listen, when it comes to MMA guys, don't get excited when this guy speaks. I literally, I'm starting to suspect that he's somewhat of a troll 
and here to get us excited and antagonize folks, but is he good at his job? It's nice to hear that he holds it down in other, you know, facets of the sport. So I won't shit on him too much. Mike, what you think? I'm exactly with you in that my blood pressure was exactly level when I read that. It basically true to form for Stephen A. Smith. This is what he does. This is like a recurring theme for him. He'll mm -hmm. put there. He'll go out there and say the most outlandish, outrageous, basically nonsensical thing that he can to get a reaction. And it is to get a reaction because look, look at us discussing something which doesn't even happen in mixed martial arts. Where have you seen, okay, maybe once, but never in the UFC have you seen a man fight a woman. He's talking about something which doesn't even exist, getting us all riled up, getting us all hit up over what? fantasy, conjecture, something in his mind. He's gaslighting us all into thinking that this actually occurs when it doesn't. So no reaction, no actual temperatureism mm -hmm. here, no blood pressure pills were needed for me. <laughs> but what do you think about people who are within our sport who make the same arguments? You see it all the time on the timelines. Like I saw this meme the other day, it was like women's flyweight bout in quotation marks it's like oh time to get up and go to the fridge that tweet had so many likes and i was looking through it was like there's a lot of women liking this tweet i'm like and the women's flyweight there isn't is not bad like there's a lot of talented fighters in that division so i'm just sitting here like we have people within our sport who will say things like this but because they watch the sport they have some sort of i don't know rapport with people so it's like oh it's right. a joke uh, but and why hate and why hate women? Like, I'm not a fan of the WNBA, but I'm not because it's an all women's league. I just can't get into the, the women that are playing. It, it's just not my thing. Basketball is not my thing. But it just seems like people just want to hate on women being in sports sometimes. And look at, like Mike said, with Stephen A. Smith, since when do women fight men? What are you conjuring up? What are you discussing? Yeah. And then you got people upset. You got people like me that read the headline and was like, he doesn't want women in sports. And then it's like, no, he's talking some bullshit. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah. he's, he's just there to get people riled up. And if you don't like women in sports, you probably just don't like women in some way or shape or form. It's 2021. Mm -hmm. you know? let, let's not forget, he has said some 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 bad stuff before. Kairos, I'm sure you'll remember. Um, I can't remember who, which, I think it was an NFL or a NBA player was, uh, was involved in alleged domestic violence uh, situation. And Stephen A. Smith said in general to domestic abuse victims, don't provoke the violence. So, I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure if, if memory serves me correctly, he got suspended for that, but there's no chance mm. in hell he's going to get reprimanded for, for, for saying something like this. No, I think it's staged too. There would be no reprimand. You know, they wanted to get an, an, uh, a reaction yeah. out of us and get people talking and it worked and he'll do it again. Yeah. And I, oh yeah, I remember like you speaking about is uh, Mayweather's uh, domestic battery history, and somebody asked him. I, I think it was along the lines of, "What's wrong with a good-looking woman working for?" In fact, I think I can find the tweet here. Two seconds, give me two seconds. Ah, here it is. Someone tweeted Stephen A. Smith, "What's wrong with a good-looking working woman with aspirations and goals? Guys like Mayweather don't want that type." And then he responded, "Please." Let's not discount the women out there who want someone like Mayweather strictly for the cash. Men ain't always wrong. Yeah. So. Yo, what? Hold yeah, on. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Are you sure this is Stephen A? My Stephen A said this. This is Stephen A. Smith. I've got the tweet right the here. The black one. The black Stephen A. Smith. Yes, the, the black one with the receding hairline. Although the I can't one. talk because my hairline's receding. Yes, this, this the, the tweet is still up. 
from the black guy. You sure? Yeah, Stephen A. Smith. I will send you. I'll send you exactly. Right, like we need me. receipts. And send me yeah. the Ray Rice one that you're talking about. You said about another one. I think the one that you're talking about is Ray Rice. Send me that one too. I didn't like. That's why I'm like, not not my friend. Not, yeah, not. like yeah. Is this your king? Is this your king, Kairos? Right. I got to denounce him. I was I, I was really like, wow. <laughs> yeah, you don't man. understand. Like, I hold this guy in very high regard. So that's why I'm he's like. He's talented. But when, yeah. But when he, why he said these things? And that's why yeah, I'm Yeah, that's what he said. Right. Look, I'll, I'll drop it in the group right now. You guys like. Yeah, throw that in the WOCast chat. Yep, just done now. Like, you'll be able to see. Yeah. It is. <sighs> wow. Okay. I, I'm sorry. Uh, he, he's got to go. <laughs> he's got to go. <laughs> he's got to yeah. I can't defend hey, this. Hey guys, can I interrupt for one sec? Yeah, of course. Can I jump? Can I jump the rotation? Being that I'm at work and I just got a text message about my time limit. You guys care if I jump Shoot. into my topic? Because I really want us to like break it down. I'd hate to piece y'all out and leave y'all not to talk about it with me. Jump in. <laughs> okay, let's go. So, just recently, you guys heard about Sean O'Malley, Casey Kenny, and also a guy, I don't know his name, some mope named uh, Tim Welch. They uh, did a podcast. And on the podcast, Sean O'Malley was um, holding his newborn baby. So cute. I'm unsure if she's a boy or a girl. Beautiful baby. He was holding the baby. And I was um, quite taken back by the topic of discussion. Um, at the time that I turned on the, the video, Sean was alluding to experimenting with heroin while holding his baby and um, encouraging the host, you know, to, to use it because, you know, he's not stupid and it's not going to ruin his life. And he downplayed addiction. And then they rolled right into a, a even worse conversation about their own coworker, Megan Anderson. So it was at this point that the host, uh, that Mope, I keep saying, Tim Welch, he said to Casey Kenny and um, Sean O'Malley, he said, would you smash Megan Anderson? In which Casey Anthony says, probably not. And then he alludes to like, eh, maybe if she happened to be around at three, 4 a.m., fuck it, I would. Immediately, I'm just like, holy shit, all these people work together. In fact, Casey Kenny is fighting on the same card as Megan Anderson. So they're gonna run into each other at Media Week. Okay, and also too, this is like, hello, this is being broadcasted. Everyone can hear this. Um, what the hell is going on? And also too, Casey Kenny looks like the bottom of my foot. He's also what, five foot three? How dare you talk like this about somebody? And if this is just locker room talk, um, like, why is it being recorded and whatnot? So my question to you is this. Was this locker room talk or was this truly disrespectful because it was on a show? Do you see where I'm going with that question? Yeah. Like, don't yeah. we all talk like this, y'all? I'm gay and I talk like this. You best believe that I have some coworkers that I would smash, 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 but I don't say it on this, co on this podcast. You know what I'm saying? Like, let me look, I'm at work. You know what I'm saying? Like... <laughs> Well, but for real there's some shorties here you know what i'm saying like and then when i get with my uh male co-workers i hate to say it but we've definitely been like yo she fine is she gay you know what i'm saying like mm -hmm. but i i will admit that i would never record myself saying these things i don't want the co-worker that i want to smash to know that i want to smash her and i don't want her to know that i talk about her in these ways and that's when i'm like aren't i engaging in locker room talk don't i do the same shit sean casey and tim welch did 
so what's so wrong about what they did? Is it because it was broadcasted, yada, yada, yada? And the three of you are not toxic men, so I love your perception on things. You guys are normal Black guys, so I love asking you questions like this. So I'm going to start with Michael Morgan. You see, for me, I would be hypocritical to say, oh, I would never indulge in that. I indulge in that. Right. But the difference is... I'm not broadcasting it to people who don't want to listen to that shit, who are basically accidental (laughs) listeners, who have been roped into this conversation. They tuned in for one thing and got another. So I hear where people are coming from when they say it's locker room talk, but it's locker room talk that has spilled out into the public consciousness and into the public arena, which doesn't make it locker room talk. Locker room talk for me is private conversations, which happen away from the crowd with the the locker room associate with who hold those views with you and are in on the this the discussion not somebody who happens to have tuned in for something else and got that that i think is the height of disrespect as well because her well his co-worker now knows how he feels and it's put in such a disrespectful way it's like nah i would never do that but it would be a lie to say, I don't indulge in locker room talk. Yeah. And I also felt bad um, when he responded because he alluded to like, she's not attractive. And if he was bored, he'd fuck her. And I'm just like, my God, I get the honesty. But my question is, why didn't they edit it off the podcast? You know, Mike, like there's been times when I hit you up and be like, take that out. You know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) I ain't even gonna lie with this mouth. And I don't understand why that didn't happen. Like I just, you know, insulted Casey Kenny because I'm in my feelings. I'm not going to have it edited out. But when I go too far, I might have to be like my, you know what I'm saying? But I don't understand why this didn't happen. And then Casey Kenny also gave like a horrible apology that really wasn't an apology. He apologized because she took it the wrong way. I understand. Whether you're um, on brand with it or whether you're on board with this or not, um, mm-hmm. there are certain organizations out there. Woe TV is one of those organizations. When we started out, it was always about performing to the brand values, always making trouble. Everything was uncensored. Everything was pushing the envelope. Everything was trying to get into people's consciousness that we just didn't give a flying F. Yeah. Now, for me, that does sound as though some of the brand values which have been displayed there are very, very similar, but you have to have a threshold in terms of respect. Boundaries and respect. Boundaries. So Mm. it does sound as though that's what happened there. There weren't any boundaries set. It was kind of like a free-for-all in terms of what you can say and nothing was actually edited. So I can see how that actually happened, if I'm honest with you. And Mike, as a father, I know you have children. How'd you feel about him holding his baby talking about stuff like that? Was it red flag? Was it cringy? I have to say, in terms of weight, you know, there's the sexism, there's the misogyny there. And then there is the fact that this is an influential father talking about heroin use. Now, um, I've never partook or partaken in heroin uh, ever in my life. It's not something that I'd ever like indulge in. But I know for a fact, it's one of the most invasive and it's one of the most addictive drugs on the planet. So why would you announce it as though it wasn't? How, how, why would you put it out there as though I'm not stupid, I wouldn't get addicted to that? It's not down to you. It's down to the drug taking hold over you, whether it's becoming addictive or not. So quick, quick story. That did shock me. 
DMX got addicted to uh, crack cocaine right. from one puff on a on a on a blunt. So okay. I, you can say right. you can tell yourself you wouldn't get addicted as if mm. Sean said so. But what he's really doing is downplaying the truth and the facts about addiction and ad- addictive personalities. But me and Mike bugging like we on our own show. Chisanga, <laughs> <laughs> what you think? You know we no, vibing, yeah. Mike. <laughs> when, when it comes to the comments about addiction, I just thought. I, I actually thought they, they were pretty crass because it just makes out, it's essentially saying that people who get addicted to stuff are weak-minded. and that they're it's in- a choice, yeah. yeah. That, that it's a choice. It's not a choice. Well, okay, to, okay, let me backtrack. To a certain extent, yes, it's a choice. You decide, okay, you know what, I will try this or whatever, but nobody, nobody takes these drugs to then get addicted to them. But Shasanga, is it a choice when your body now requires the drug similar no, no, to heroin? No, no, it's not. I'm you see what about, I'm saying? I'm talking about the first initial experimentation, mm-hmm. which which a lot of humans do with with alcohol, with marijuana, with cocaine, or, right. or, 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 or what have you. Like people exactly. get exercise. Well, for God, obviously it's not not no, not the same. But I that made my blood boil. And in terms of Casey Kenny's comments, I mean, yes, of course, like. It, it, there, it, it was locker room talk to a, to a certain extent, but I just feel that he could, but he, he he could have just said no. She's not my she's not my type. I'm not I'm not that attracted to her. He could. He could how, you know what I would have done? The same shit I do to Mike. Yo, Mike, take out the part where I said that 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 that. I don't understand why that conversation didn't take place. Sometimes Mike and I vibe so much I forget it's a damn show. You know, and then after the show, I have to be like, Michael, take out my last name. Michael, take out this, take out that, because I'm vibing. That's where I'm most confused. Where, why didn't the host, Sean, or anybody think, let's protect Megan, let's protect the brand, and damn, like she's gonna hear this, no, which makes me, it makes me think it's intentional and that that they're just incels. Perhaps, perhaps, but I, 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 going off of how Casey Kane responded to the question. I, I don't want to say there's not much between the years or whatever, but like he didn't articulate himself very, very well. But again, I think there is this culture of, of, of locker room talk and, and what have you. But I think to I think it has to change. Like remember the whole locker room talk, obviously in your country ahead of the 2016 election when Donald Trump said, oh, and you can grab them by the by the P-U-S-S-Y. I had to spell it out just <laughs> But yeah, do you remember that? And then this whole debate of locker room talk and 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 what have you. But I think, in particular, I, I think in particular men, because I think the other it, it's locker room talk isn't the other way around per per se. You don't get women really saying, "Oh yeah, I'll, I'll smash so and so," or "Oh, I wouldn't smash them." Like that's a lie. That's a lie. No, we talk nasty. We just don't put it on podcasts. We don't get women are just a little bit better with the the shady shit that we do. Like women cheat. You we just don't get caught as much as y'all. Y'all leave panties in the couch. You know what I'm saying? Like we erase the the, the, the yeah. Like we actually like when we're done cheating, we erase the text. Like when that when the text comes in, erase the text. Yeah, when you get the text, hey, boo, and you like, you know what I'm saying? You erase the text afterwards so that wifey, when she go through the phone, y'all don't do that. So, that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it might be. No. And take the panties out the couch, fellas. But I'm telling you, if if a, if I had an all-female podcast and I had it and we lost it, we was like, yeah, that dick or this, this and that. And then it was about somebody that we knew. We I would remove it, Michael. I'd probably have Michael do it because I'm so bad with technology. I'd be like, take out the part when she said she'd suck his dick. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
I to to this day I don't understand the part where they didn't do that, and that's why I'm upset with them. I'm really not upset with what they said. If he's not attracted to her and he don't want to fuck her, and he would only do it drunk at four o'clock in the morning, I'm sorry, Megan. It's not what you want to hear, but that's he's not attracted to you, and he's having a conversation with his guy friends. It should have been removed, you know. Kairos, I'm talking too damn much. Go ahead. No, y'all are right. I just. He didn't have tact. I think that was the issue. Because you see it all the time. People will hear, but that's my preference. So it's okay for you to have your preference and him not to have his. It's the way that he said it, the way that he went about it, and just how randomly that topic came up. Facts. Like, it was just like, okay, listen. Where did it come from? (laughs) I don't know if she didn't respond to your DMs and you just felt like this was like your time to, I don't know. But it was just... It, it, it didn't feel organic to say, oh, it just ro- rolled off the tongue. But at the same yeah. time, I don't want to say it was calculated like, oh, we're going to talk about her on the podcast in a derogatory yeah. way and make her like, right. I don't know about that. But just. And, and none of them were attractive. That's the best part. There was no Paula Costa. There was nobody that were like, he's so fine. There was no, it was a bunch of like three boogers talking about a woman that probably wouldn't fuck none of them. And it was appalling. Three boogers having a conversation know- about a woman. Give me a break. You know what annoyed me as well? Tim Welsh's response to Megan Anderson's tweet. Did you see it? No. No. Brief me. So uh, obviously Megan tweeted, uh, she was like, I guess MMA is a line of work where you can publicly talk about whether you didn't have sex with a co-worker in an utterly way and face zero consequences, disgusting behavior. And I think it's unfortunate that he'll be fighting on my card in in, uh, March. She's embarrassed. Yeah. I would be embarrassed, you know? Tim Welsh was like, oh, the only reason I asked is because you're way taller than Casey. I think you're hot as fuck. Oh, he's an incel. He's a, he's a bird. Come yeah. on. <laughs> he's yeah, yeah, that, that was the response. Yeah. He's still there. I mean. He just, sounds slow. Except you're wrong. Say, we shouldn't, have, we shouldn't have spoken about you in this way. We are sorry. And just, I should have edited it out. I'm sorry. It was, or, you know, locker room talk. Yeah. Or, or, or just, just. Uh, I, I don't know if he shot her a private message or, or what have you. I mean, that, that public It's too message. late now. You it know, is. it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Know? Yeah. Well, Just sorry to bring sure. the group down, but I felt like, you know, I had to discuss it with three normal men. So thank you for your insight. <laughs> Wait, I got a quick question about this before we move on. It's <laughs> my question for you. Because you touched on it a little bit. You're like, they're unattractive, so it doesn't matter. Here's my question. So I feel like anyone can answer this, really. It's not just G that can answer this. You see a lot of people who might say, all right, they're ugly anyway, X, Y, and Z. So does that mean if they were attractive, it would have made it better? And also- it wouldn't have made it better. It No, but it would have just kind of been easier maybe. Or like we would have been like, he fine, but damn, he shouldn't have said that. But when three boogers <laughs> say it, you just kind of like, I wouldn't I knew- give... I know Megan is like, I wouldn't give y'all the time of day. I know the man that is laying it down does not look like Casey Kenny. You know, Megan's man is, I'm telling you, those three cannot bag her. So it was a very strange conversation for them to have. Now, if they had been like three fine ass men, it still would have been rude, but at least we would have been like, oh, they're cute, but that was wrong. Three ugly ass motherfuckers that could never bag her talking shit like this. Meanwhile, wifey probably looked like a shoe, but they talk about Megan Anderson. It's got to be the principal, not the person. That's what I was getting at. I mean, I'm not perfect. I'm just trying to explain my silly theory or whatever. Yeah, I'm just being ignorant. Because I remember seeing on the comments, this one person was like, well, Sean's ugly anyway. 
I'm not going to mention this person's name, but I click on their profile. He was ugly than a motherfucker. No, probably. I'm sorry. Let me not even go down this rabbit hole. People got to know what I'm saying. I'm like, I'll tell but, you. Okay, let, me, let, me, let me clean up my statements. Let me clean up my statements. It, it, it made it worse to see three ugly men talk about a woman like that. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, it made it worse. Unfortunately. Yes. For someone that wouldn't, that she, they, she probably wouldn't even look at. One of them is what, five for three? Please. You know, women don't like short men. And you talking this shit and she's six foot something, beautiful tattoos, always a print model and shit. Who's yeah. taking pictures of Casey in their underwear? Nobody. <laughs> Why are you talking? Why are you talking? <laughs> anyway let's move on fellas oh, but you, i'm ignorant but you get it right i get i get what you're saying it's not like it was like alan joban saying it or whatever yeah and it's still wrong if alan does it but it's worse when it's three hood boogers sitting there talking when it's like you can't even bag a homeless lady big just sit down but just go ahead before, just before you do move on now i just wanted to <laughs> which has literally just come through and i know that you're holding some uh bad boy information g now, this is against the background of UFC cuts that these clowns are out here making fools of themselves. They're not really endearing themselves, surely, to those people who have the power to, um, well, have them stay or have them go. I know that, again, you're holding the list of people who've just been announced as being cut. Well, so have a quick count through those. I'm curious as to who they are. Well, I can't pull it up because it's on my phone. So either you want me to zoom or you want me to pull it up. Chisanga, can you do it? Make a choice. Yes, I can pull it up. Okay, Go I on. sent it to the WOCAST DM, so it should be right there for you. All right, I'll read the names from the top. Peter Barrett, Antonio Carlos Jr., Spike Carlisle. Spike Carlisle is gone. Anthony Ivey, Jacob Kilburn. Who just fought at UFC 257? Was it UFC 257? Yeah, I think it was, or it was one of those Fire Island cards. Vanessa Mello, Sarah Morass, mm. Vinicius Moreira, Marcus Perez. Who I don't know if you saw, um, he actually said that he wanted to be released following his last performance because he wasn't wasn't impressed. And oh, Cole, good for him. And Cole Williams is the the final one. Oh no, wait, sorry. And also Reese McKee as well mm. has been. Oh, thank God. Now, Riz McKee was going to get hurt. They need to cut him. Like, yeah, you know. agreed. And plus, he announced it on his, I think it was his Instagram. Um, yeah. I think it was about a week or so ago. So that was no surprise. It was no surprise when I read that there, in all honesty, because I did fear for Reese. He wasn't having a good time there. Yeah. Um, he does, considering how young he is, he is in a position... I know they rarely do this, but he's in a position to go back, hone his skills, and get back in there. Yeah, it's a good cut for him. I'm shocked by Spike, y'all. Are y'all? I know he lost his last fight, but he still got some good prelim energy in him. You know what I mean? Like he could be filler, and people like him. I was kind of surprised by that. And I wonder if his anti-Semite conspiracy posts pushed them in that direction. Probably not, because the UFC is brolic and don't care. But um, I was shocked by Spike. You guys shocked by any of the cuts? Um, I'm not shocked by the Sarah Maraska because that not not shocked by that to be honest. No. Uh, I'm sure we talked about this, G. That that was coming. Yeah, because it was yeah. such a god awful performance that yeah. she looked like she didn't belong there, and I could see them cutting her for that. She didn't know how to. Um, was it Mello didn't know how to cut the cage, and she just kept going in circles. Yep. So and it was she, pretty bad. She. She kept trying to jab and what like, but she wasn't she wasn't jabbing. But she yeah. let, let's um put that performance aside. She's lost uh, five of her last six. So Woo-hoo. 
But you know what's interesting? You know who's not on there? The Hannah Cypher young lady. Hasn't she had four losses in 2020 alone? In 2020 alone. I don't think that's the case. No, she does. No, no. no. Listen, man. She she's very active in 2021. Let me look it up. I think so. Or she's even scheduled to take another fight that fell through. Yeah, I'm I'm serious. That's why I said it's a shock she's not on the list. I think she's like she broke like a record for losses. Four losses in 2020. Yes. Bro, I, sw- I swear, right? I, we're not like Kairos? trying to be funny. Yeah, it's yeah. wow. Yeah. Oh, one second, I'm sorry. I have access to a computer. I'm gonna pull it up right for oh, no, you. No, yeah, I've got it. So she lost most yeah. recently to Marley Martin, uh, Maria Agapova, Mackenzie Dern, and Angela Hill. Yeah. All 2020, baby. That's I'm surprised. Yeah. yeah, but in fact, she got rebooked another fight, and her opponent or somebody got injured, so she wasn't cut. I completely agree, also with Vanessa Mello, that's somebody else that didn't know how to cut off the cage. I just feel bad because after her win, you could tell she thought she saved her job, and she didn't. Yeah. That was the only thing. I thought they'd give her one more, and you thought she she looked that she was going to get one more. And I wonder. I'm sure she feels pretty bad right now. But. Speaking of saving jobs, I think. Uh, Alessio De Kiriko definitely saved his job with that KO of uh, Joaquin Buckley, a hundred percent. Oh yeah, he, he was on, he was on a three fight losing streak, and I mean literally back up against the wall fighting the informed Buckley. Two back to back KOs. Obviously, the most recent one wasn't as spectacular as the Impa Kasangane one, but I mean I think a lot of people thought it was. Uh, a lamb being led to the slaughter, but obviously fair play to Alessio. And like I, I tweeted this, like uh, I think maybe last week or, or the week or this week or the uh, week before, I don't think enough people are actually talking about that moment because this man's career, his livelihood was, was, was on the line. And uh, oh, he, I thought he was going to get cut. That, that, mm-hmm. of his, that of his, fa- his family as well. And to go and, and not only win in such emphatic fashion, but to do it un- under those circumstances as well, I think, not, not nearly enough people are talking about that. And that, that was, for me, one of, like, the biggest moments from Fire Island. Mm. Yeah, good for him, though. Let's quickly crack on, because I, I know that G has got to jet off, and I want to get her perspective on this. Happy Black History Month. Brothers and sisters, we are here again in February. And you couldn't have failed to notice that the UFC basically put together an announcement at the beginning of this week, and it was on the 1st of February. Essentially, what it's announced is that it's going to have a month-long celebration of Black History Month. The UFC basically are going to commemorate Black History Month by acknowledging the achievements made by African-American and Black UFC athletes throughout the organization's history. Now, what they've basically said is throughout February, they're going to highlight the personal stories of African-American and Black UFC athletes, past and present, whilst celebrating their significance in promoting and growing the UFC and the sport of mixed martial arts. Now, they've got, um, in addition to this, numerous top-ranked African-American and Black UFC athletes that will headline, obviously, three of the four events which uh, are going to be produced at the UFC Apex. I saw this and I was livid. I was livid because the last time that the UFC acknowledged the the existence of Black people in the UFC was in 2014. So what of significance happened between 2014 and now? 
You can't tell me that the rise of Trump, Trump's presidency, hasn't had any effect on them muting the fact that, you know, they are very accepting and they are very um, cosmopolitan. It seemed to be one-way traffic when we were um, looking at situations like what happened with Colby Covington, like what happened with Black Lives Matter and the muted response, i.e. lack of response in terms of support from the UFC. So this just smacks of kind of, well, let's present ourselves now as the good guys. Let's rebrand ourselves now that our buddy Trump is out of the picture. Let's show everybody how inclusive we are. But you know how we're, we're not racist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know how we're gonna do it? We're gonna do it by showcasing our talent, the archives. We're gonna dig deep into our video memorabilia and we're gonna show you everything that we've done as an organization. Now that it just smacks of waving the flag for your product, what you have produced. It's slick PR at the end of the day. Let's just, you know, I'm not gonna put any 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 bones or make no bones about it. It's slick PR. If you were going to do something concrete and acknowledge Black History Month, why not put something towards a school, towards an organization that deals with knife crime, gun crime, youth violence, towards a church? Put Black Lives Matter. Black Lives, well, you know, I'm not even saying Black Lives Matter because it's clear where their allegiance lies. When but it comes still, to if you're looking for a fundraiser, you got one right exactly. in your, you know, like an organization. Exactly. Nope. But I, I didn't want to put Black Lives Matter in there as well because the whole, well, it's a political organization. Well, we, we, right. we don't do politics here. And just a minute ago, they were pro-Trump, yeah. right. I'm giving them an easy out in terms of things that they could have actually backed that would actually solidify, which would actually personify, would actually give us a better impression of them and as an organization. Now, I'm glad, I'm glad that they didn't come out when the whole Black Lives Matter um, uh, movement and um, voices were being heard with a black tile, like every other organization who was now just moved on and is basically just assimilating what their previous behavior was. But I am furious, really, that they're badging this as them supporting Black History Month, when it clearly is down to them waving the flag for their product. Now, am I being out of order here? Am I being uppity? Am I I being ungrateful in the fact that, look, even after all of this time, they've now come good, good, air quotes, good, or are you with me that they could have done a lot more in terms of actually doing something tangible for black people in the United States of America? I'm going to start with Kairos. Hold on. I got to go because I got to go in like 20 minutes. So can I just say what I got to say? I'm so sorry, y'all. This is what happens when we Zoom at work. Um, (laughs) I'm going to just make it brief because I literally do have to roll. Mm. Mike, you are totally 100% 2000 milli correct percent. Um, Here's what I think. I think it's pandering. I think it's um, their, you know, a PR kerfuffle. I think they're fixing the whole fact that they went really hard with Colby, Trump and all that other stuff. And oh, I didn't hear anything that Colby said that was racist. Mm -hmm. So now they literally 
Joe Biden is our new president. Trump is now disgraced. They literally have to roll into something else, which is like, oh my God, it's Black History Month. Perfect. And we'll bolster our own fighters. What they really should be doing is both. They should be bolstering and, and commemorating the older, the old Black fighters, the, the present fighters and celebrating them. And also having like donating to their specific charities that they want to that can help Black lives. You understand? Like there yep. should be some type of monetary donation or something. They do it for veterans. Right. Every so often we got to watch a fight and somebody with one leg is like, yo, this foundation that 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 they can't do that for black people, you know, for black history month. Don't we honor veterans some month and the UFC goes crazy. Why are we just doing videos of black fighters do a little bit more, but last note. It's still a good thing, Mike, because we have so many racist fans that we need the footage of the UFC celebrating Black people. So even though it's pandering and it's bullshit, it's good for these fucking cuck, ignorant, racist fans that be in our mentions. So they need to see this, you know? So go ahead. That's just my spiel. But who, who do you want up next, Mike? Kairos, jump in. No, I, I agree. We're, I, think, I think you're going a little too hard on the UFC. People hate Black, but the UFC would rather literally pour money into a fire than dedicate it to Black people. Like, they donated 200 <laughs> grand to a forest fire in Australia. They ain't got time for you Black people. But See? I think we got to be honest though with ourselves for a second. Yes, it is pandering. Yes, they're doing that. But I'd rather them do something than nothing. And nothing. If a, like, if a Black per like, people hate us. Like, you got to acknowledge that Facts. people hate us. And Facts. for you to stick your neck out there, you understand it's you're putting yourself in a position to get cut off. Like <clears throat> you are facing numerous, numerous people who are just re like, I'll give you an example. Apple released a Black History Month band for the Apple uh, series watches or whatever. Guess how many people are just, will look at that and just be appalled. And I understand like, all right, well, they're still capitalizing off of the dollar. They just want you to spend your money. I don't know. They just want Black people to spend, but it's still like, I'm not gonna sit here and penalize a person for coming late to the party or for doing it when it's beneficial to them or doing I it agree. when it's I'm gonna champion you the same way I'm gonna champion that person who was here through the tough times because the goal is unity. I'm not trying to put it into this classism of you weren't with us when we were in the trenches hold on, and the fight. But hold on, let me ask you a question. When people have, when I've said something similar, you know what people say to me, what's wrong? when people who are already marginalized and black want more. You know what I mean? Mm. It's okay for them to show up to the party, but when in when do as black people or marginalized groups be like, we want more, we don't just want equal. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel what you're saying, but sometimes we gotta push for more. And that's why I agree with Mike, but I also agree with Kairos. Like it's good they're doing something. We got a lot of racist fans in this, in this community. So they, I mean, you know? It's so crystal clear why this is happening. It's so crystal clear that they are, it, it, to a certain extent, sports washing as well. Where yeah. were you in the years between 2014 and now? Where were you? Mm -hmm. And what right. happened in between that time? Plus, where were, where were you when Colby said Black Lives Matters were Thank you. Go ahead, Mike, sorry. Where were you when we really needed you is what I'm saying. When Trump was on our necks, when Trumps were saying there were good people on both sides, where were you then? Uh, you make but anyway, a lot of people. 
you can make that argument even for black people who support the cause. Like yes. I'll give you an example. We have a vice president right now and there was people when she was running were like, where were you when the criminal justice system was tag teaming black people and you were a prosecutor hitting people for maximum sentences even though it wasn't justified for a crime that shouldn't even be expended over two to five years. You can make that mm -hmm. argument for every single pillar in our black community as well as people outside. So that's why I'm very careful about hitting people with that argument because then reversely, they could hit me with that argument and say, well, why weren't you doing this, that, and the third when you were living two miles away from when Trayvon Martin was killed when you were 16? Why weren't so, I, I can't play this game of you come here and do this at this time when it's convenient for me when I haven't been leading the yeah. charge. Like, it, that's why I'm very, uh, that's why I said what I said. Yeah, I feel, I, and I agree with both of you. I just wanted to like get you thinking about more maybe, but you're only one person too. So I get, you know what I'm saying? Like, I get it. Also, fellas, I have my mask on. I'm about to bounce. I love you all. <laughs> I can't wait to hear this show. Tear it up. Y'all getting each other's asses while I'm going, all right? <laughs> I like love y'all. I'll watch. <laughs> Perfect. Send me the video. Don't cut that out. Do not cut that out. <laughs> Don't cut it out. And send me the video. Peace, y'all. Love you. Okay. Love you. Take care, G. We've not heard from Chisanga. Go for it, my brother. I, I... I'm down the middle with 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 both of you. I, like you, you both made salient points. Like obviously, yeah, it, it's it's transparent to 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 a certain extent, but at the same time, I'd rather them take the step forward than just stay stay well entrenched in their past in their past associations. If you know what I mean. So yeah, and if, again, like Kara was to say, I'm I'm not going to penalize somebody for. For if, if they're if they're being genuine with this, I'm not going to penalize somebody for com coming late to the party. As long as you're on board with with equality and you you genuinely mean it, then I'm 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 happy for it. But I mean, I, I, as G said, it's, it's it would have uh, no doubt pissed off a lot of the fan base because obviously when issues of race have come up in uh, on Twitter or whatever, and we've spoken about them, and you've just seen the cesspool of, of comments that yeah that subsequently follow with them. So I'm happy that it's would have pissed off those people <laughs> as, as well, but more, moreover, I'm just happy that they have taken a, a belated step in the right direction. But my thing is this, I hear where you're coming from in terms of if somebody shows that they can try and they actually want to move forward as an ally, then we should let them into the fold. We should allow them to actually make good on their assertion that they are here for change. But if that change involves um, them actually showing you their new clothes and their old clothes and not actually giving anything tangible that's gonna benefit you, then how are they actually doing anything other than just PR, sports washing as well? When you put into context where we have been, when we needed them, let's just, all right, you know what? Let's just park the, when we needed you. Where were you in that time in between? What were you doing? What were you saying? What messages were you putting out there? Nothing, radio silence. No, I, I, I completely get that point that, that you're, you're trying to make, or that you were not trying to make, that you've, uh, you've made there. But at, again, yeah, as, as I say, like I've, I, obviously there, there's silence in the, in light of the comments made by Colby Covington. And uh, obviously I think it was, was did Dana get asked on Fight Island about the 
Covington comments being racist. Yeah, it was mm. a the press conference, the two fight two five three press conference, and yep. he said he, he, he didn't. What did he say was racist? Was his retort? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 I would, I'd like for that. Like in an ideal world, you'd like for them to acknowledge their their shortcomings and, and what have you. And in an ideal world, you'd like, like you said, you'd like to see some investment in, say, black communities or charities that their former black fighters are, are championing or what have you. And maybe, maybe, maybe that's to come. Maybe like the, the, uh, the announcement of the, uh, of the. Of, of the partnership, not partnership, of uh, the celebration of Black History Month. Maybe that's just the beginning. So, I mean, I'll I'll, I'll give them time, but obviously, actions speak louder than words. So yes, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. I mean, it's a step in the right direction. So I'll give them props for that. I'm not just going to be like, oh well, where's the millions of dollars of donations? And it's only four days into February. It's four days into February, but you can announce what the program is going to be coming you know, up. Of course, yeah. The fighters are going to be involved. We're going to be celebrating um, the, their achievements, and you know, uh, a lot of it's going to happen at the apex. Okay, well, okay. How about the people who actually buy your pay per views, who come to your shows? How about them? Where is their flowers? I get that. I I, I get that. But hopefully, in time. I mean, that that's we can only wait and and see what will happen in that regard. Yeah. Last but by no means least, over to you, Kairos. What are you bringing to the table this week? Okay. Um, sorry, you had me. I was thinking about rebuttal after. All right. Anyway, we got to try. <laughs> I was going to hammer you. All right. Um, so oh, I'm, if you think that there is a, a point left unturned in your mind, of that course. You to bring to the table, if you feel oh. as though uh, this, which has been boiling my piss, is something that you want to temper down. I'm all ears. Okay, we got a part of my argument, the premise is set on time. So what are they going to do? Sure, maybe they don't know what they're gonna do. So that's why they mm -hmm. haven't said it. But also the premise is this, if you were born in, I don't know how you guys' media and how um, commercialism operates in the UK, so I can't speak for you, but if you were born in America, it doesn't matter if you were black, white, it, you were conditioned to be prejudiced or racist since birth, the way that they show you in literature, the way that they show you in cinema, the way that you're described in books, the way that you're, any person who tries to convince you otherwise either doesn't know or is a liar. That's the fact of the matter. You were conditioned from beauty commercials to, to see that black isn't beautiful. You were conditioned by what you're seeing in representation in the movies and TV and um, magazines, anything that you can possibly consume with your eyes, ears, or even with like your nose, like you are shown that to be dark is to be inferior. Mm. And so it takes a lot for you to overcome that and respect yourself. It takes a lot of black people to respect and love themselves and know that they are worthy. So. Imagine if you aren't black. Imagine if you aren't around black. Imagine if you, let's just go with, imagine if you aren't even black. You have five obstacles already ahead of you to overcome. And it's the washing of your knowledge pool in the community that you're in, the people around you echoing the same sentiment. Like it is very difficult for people to overcome that. And look at the head of the UFC brass, even before it was sold for 4 billion or whatever, the head of it was predominantly white people. Now look at it, it's still not black people. So for me to sit here and be like, well, why don't you love us? Why don't you? They've been conditioned to, it's a system and it's constantly working. So any, any sort, any sort of rebellion against that, I'm gonna have to champion, I have to. I have to because it's understanding that it's a process. It's a journey itself. There is success and acceptance is not a destination. It's the journey itself. And it's not something 
that doesn't fluctuate. People are going to gain knowledge and lose knowledge and people are going to travel down this path. And for us to sit here and continuously put up stop signs, stop, let me check your vehicle. Why haven't you done this? Or why aren't you doing this? It's, it's halting the progress. We have to sit here and we've got to turn this into something that is just, we can't gatekeep this. I just feel like we have always gatekeep this and acceptance. And it's great that we care about ourselves enough to do this, but at a certain point, we have to allow people to do this at their own pace. Because as soon as you start forcing people to do things that's not with their pace, they're going to reject the idea entirely. Especially when you are in a sport that's 70% white with the fan. I, I don't even know that percentage. I threw that out there. But I know it's high. I know the percentage is high. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm sitting here and saying what I'm saying. Like, it's not because, oh, I don't think we're worthy. Or, oh, I, don't. I just acknowledge the people who are consuming this and the people who are the driving force of this company have to, fi- have to see it for themselves. They have to learn for themselves. Like it's a tall order. It's a very tall order. If you're, even if you're black in America, they see that you are worthy. You see, I get the nuances in terms of where our black British experience and your American experience, there is overlap and there is um, consistency in terms of themes, in terms of blackness and black being bad and skin lightening creams being one of the most predominant things that is pushed over here for black women. But what I would say is this, it's not as though we are talking about an organization who have been um, not necessarily proactive, but at least doing the very, or the the minimum, the bare minimum that they could have done since 2014. They have done nothing. Then all of a sudden, there's been this uptick in activity. That is my issue. This is where I am really seething when you're talking about what they're doing, because what they're doing, we have yet to see in terms of detail. Like Chisanga said, there may be an unpacking of how they can assist black businesses, but I would have thought that would have been in the forefront of their announcement not at the back, not hidden, not packaged away, not talking about the fact that we're gonna be showcasing black talent in the UFC and on our roster, talking about the fact that we have black entertainers, stroke athletes, for your delectation over the next four or, sorry, four weeks. I'm just shocked that there has been this vacuum is what I'm saying. That's what's really underpinning the rage in that it's quite clear why there has been that vacuum. It's quite clear why there have been um, the non-protective or non-protective attitude of spokesperson, spokespeople sticking up for um, where there are things which need to be spoken about. And that is, okay, going back to the whole Colby thing. Oh, I didn't hear anything that was racist. That's just one example. But what actually is more offensive, you know, to me is not how Dana White chose to gaslight that particular situation. It's the quiet, it's the silence. It's basically the inaction over the last six or seven years. That is my issue. And that's solid. And I I guess I would have more of a leg to stand on if he wasn't delving into other like focuses where there was like political like people act like supporting the military isn't a political stance it is it is very much so a political stance and, and when we yes and and the police and mm-hmm. every single for it is a political stance because mm-hmm. everybody who understands criminal justice understands that it is all political so i guess looking at it from that from that lens yeah you're 
it pains me to say, but yeah, like it's kind of fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> it, is fucked up. it is fucked up. I was trying to give them a little bit of bail. Feel my and pain, that, right? But the problem is, like, they don't have a leg to stand on because the whole premise of we aren't supporting politics has been completely ignored when it was convenient. Thank you. So, and okay. so jump in there. That's just like evoked something else in terms of a memory, which really is rankling with me. Do you remember when Dana White gave that address, that video? It's a vague recollection in my mind. It's just that something kind of like stuck in my consciousness. And it was where he was talking about, I think it was either you've seen these people rampaging in our cities or, or words to that effect. Okay, don't, get, don't quote me. That's not exactly what he said, but the sentiment was these people are out there marauding and we need to do something about that. We need to support our police. Now, bearing in mind, this is off the background or this is off a, a, a this is on the canvas of George Floyd, having a police officer kneeling on his neck. And this isn't the first time this has happened. This is almost a cyclical event in black America where you have police subjugating basically in the kind of like vein and in the kind of like fashion of an old fashioned um, slave capture unit back in the slavery days. Now you fast forward to the noughties where you have the same racist mentality that it's about subjugation, it's about oppression, it's about systematic racism in the police, but he's, talking it up as though we need to support the police in these endeavors and that stuck in my consciousness and then you like fold all of that into the inaction the quietness the radio silence and then you talk about that you after all that silence are going to support black history month but how you choose to do it and how you announce it and how you unpack it is we're going to have a series of events we are actually going to showcase our fighters. Do you see what I mean? Do you see where I'm coming from now? Yes. Like I wasn't looking at it in that, like through that lens of, okay, it's the accumulation of things that you have done Thank over this, you. or rather not have done. I was looking at it in terms of, well, they've been so, it's been such a hard time. It's so hard to be white. I was, yeah. Yeah. I was, I was borderline Daniel Coonery right there. Yeah. But, yeah, you're right. <laughs> my brother, because really and truly, you know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of in slavery days, you'd have the field Negro and the house Negro. And the house Negro obviously was quite close to the master. So things are quite good for him or her. So they would kind of like protect and look out for the interest of the massa. But in the field, this brother has got it hard. He hasn't got the comforts and he has crystal clarity in terms of what it is to be oppressed and what could be done to fix that. And that's why this kind of like conversation, it made me think of that. I'm not saying that's what's going on here, but it made me draw that parallel because now we have this clarity, this 2020 vision as to what has happened we cannot forget why it has happened and what could have been done to support us because there are so many examples of when things could actually have been bolstered in terms of our support, but didn't happen. See, that's where I'm coming from. Yeah, no, with I get, I get, I get that. With, 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 with what you've just said there in that one sentence to what happened a millennia ago. 
They really ain't shit. I tried to help them. There you have it. That's why my piss was boiling. That's why I knew that, you know, when you were talking about um, the, 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 the bringing on uh, quietly and uh, with kind of like uh, grace and poise and accepting what was actually being rolled out with grace and poise. I'm like, nah, fuck that. <laughs> the time for we, <laughs> you are we shall overcome. Nah, man, nah, man, I'm Malcolm in that philosophy of hold on a minute, you can only beat us so many times. You can only subjugate us so many times. You can only oppress us so many times. And the days of us waiting for you to do something on your own volitions passed. Time to ask for that now. Time yeah. to say, have you thought about this? And what about that? It's great that you've got that passion and enthusiasm and you've got that drive. Well, this is where it could actually have merit, add value, and have impact. Sheesh. I almost relapsed. I let it, I let a drop of coonery almost define me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for saving me. <laughs> That's okay. I, I'm selling bean pies uh, by the wayside here as well. And uh, <laughs> my bow tie, <laughs> got my bow tie ready to go. Shoot, I should buy my African cap. All right, we're going to get that. <laughs> you look as though you were poised to jump in. No, no, like I, I've, I, I completely agree with, 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 with what you were saying. Like, although I, as I've, I'm not going to be an Uncle Tom here or whatever, but I, I, they've taken a step. Obviously, I don't think it was a step that they 100% took of their own volition. And, I, and as, as you said, to a certain extent, it, it it's probably them trying to, I don't want to say necessarily erase the, the memory of, of uh, what, what's happened over the, the last few years, but I think they're just trying to distance themselves from it. So, yes. But, but again, I want to see actions, as I said. I, I want to see tangible, like, oh, oh, well, obviously the, the showcasing of black athletes is something tangible. Obviously, we can see it, but I want to see. I don't want to say just give give money to charities or whatever, but I want I want to see them actually making meaningful meaningful gestures and meaningful acts and doing meaningful acts. That's that's what I'd like to see. I mean, I'll 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 give it time. Like I mean, I think. Oh, well, how, how long do we give? Like I think probably we should come back to it this time next year, right? And then see. Oh no 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 no! That's too long. It's too long. It's too long. No, they don't I'm get just, that timetable. Oh no, but I'm just saying like that, like that, that that's a good period of time, is it not? No, end of the month. I don't think so. We're gonna come yeah. back. I'm gonna bring this end of the month. to the table. Okay, okay, no, obviously, yeah, end of the month, but I mean like in general, like so yeah, okay, yeah, end of the month, and then in a year, we'll see. We'll mm. we'll come back. Yeah. One eight hundred, how's my black <laughs> month? It's gotta be, yeah. We can, all right. So transitioning into like something else. <laughs> we were talk we were talk well not we i think we did touch on this a little bit but i was interested to see like how the mood changed between us not having fans for almost the i wouldn't say a calendar year but it's it's about that amount of time where it's not having fans it went from people saying this is going to be boring oh my gosh to people really enjoying the atmosphere of the apex and hearing the coaches call out commands and hearing the commentators and feeling that balance and then there's people who just like was just like, I, I never want the fans to come back. And then there's people saying, no, you got to have it. It brings back like the excitement and fighters fight a lot better. There's that train of thought. And then 
we just recently started adding like a few small bit of fans as well as a little bit more media on top of it. And I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't like it at all. The second, the second there was a lull in the action, we got back to the Ric Flair. Woo! And I was like, oh, hell That is a lie, sir. That is a lie. That was- is a lie. That's a, no, sir. I was there for the three for the three three events, and it took until the fifth fight of the third fight card for the first word to come out in the arena. So what happened though? It happened, yes, but you were saying it as if <laughs> oh, there was a lull in the action in the first fight card, and then Ric Flair ruined or whatever. Here's the problem though. We don't need that. Here, I don't understand. Okay. I understand that it's a spectator sport. Like you see in the movie, never back down. It's a spectator sport. You gotta have the fan. Yeah, okay, great. You gotta have the fans in MMA. Yes, we do. And I wanna see an event live for the first time. Don't get me wrong. But I just think that at a certain point, <laughs> no, I sound like a straight like loser right now. You know what? Bring the fans back. I can't. No, it's I, it's no, I just don't like how fans wanna dictate how a fighter is gonna fight. Like no, I understand. I I understand that you guys want to have a Robbie Lawler versus Carlos Condit every single time, but not everybody fights like that. Not everyone wants to have a career like how they're going to have their careers when they're 60 years old, like with brain injuries. Nobody like, and what if, what if the whole game plan was to fight? Like, what if you have a wonder boy? Like, I just don't like how people are just like, oh my gosh, they're no longer slugging. Oh my gosh, we've been spoiled for the first four fights of finishes, but this one, it's not, it's like, I, don't, I just will never get behind the fans showing their displeasure for a fight in the action as well as after. Like, you look at it, and remember when um, Junior Dos Santos got uh, KO'd by, I think it was Cain Velasquez, and people were booing Junior Dos Santos. It's like, you booed him because he got knocked out? Like, how? What's what sense does, like, and I'm not trying to, like, don't get me wrong. I want I want to have fans in the events. I want to be in the events. I just think that, this is a good thing for us. We need to understand that we have taken this time for granted of us readily being available to be spectators to this great sport. Mm. And when we finally are granted that privilege back, I don't think we need to be doing the usual antics that we've been doing is what I'm saying. I agree with you. But I think also the fans are becoming a bit more educated when it comes to uh, all the facets of mixed martial arts. I remember a time like when you'd go to a UFC event, I think, I can't remember what the first UFC event I went to was. I think it might have been when Dan Henderson fought Rampage. That was at the O2, Mike. Was it UFC? Was it UFC 89? Or it was around the 80s, early, early 90s. You're and- old school, man. I went to UFC 120. That was my first UFC actually attending in the building. But anyway, sorry, I interrupted you. Yeah, yeah. So that 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 was that was the first one that that I I went to, and then I went to what card was that when Henan Burrell disrespected Brad Pickett's face with a flying knee? Do you remember? Oh, wasn't that Manchester or something? No, like that? that was Birmingham. I think it was you. Was that one thirty eight? Yes, you're right. One thirty eight. Your memory's good, man. Dang, that's solid. Well, yeah, I, I could say the same, but anyway, anyway. Um, so yeah, I, m- I remember going to going to those events, and as soon as the fight hit the ground, people were booing and people were saying "stand them up" or or what have you, and just were you on press row? Sorry to interrupt. You. Were you on press row? Oh no 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 no! I went as a fan, as a fan. Oh, I was about to say I don't remember seeing you there. No 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 no! I went no I went as a fan. So right. I was I was drunk as hell up in the bleachers. <laughs> <laughs> but no yeah I, I went as went as a fan to those two. 
but yeah, going back to the point I was making, I think fans are with with the with the sport ever, ever growing. I think fans are slowly but surely becoming more educated with all the different facets of mixed martial arts. And even like when we were in Ab- when I was in Abu Dhabi a couple of weeks ago, people were cheering when there were some takedowns happening. Granted, that cheering, if there was like a lull in the action, as Kyra said, people would be then like stand them up or whatever you and I'm pretty sure I even also heard say someone say punch him in the phallus and phallus is me using the <laughs> that's the, that's a nice way of me saying it because I don't want to I don't want to say it on uh <laughs> when we're live but yeah I look it was great to have fans back I didn't get to experience the no fans being in the building but just that that first event, the the Holloway versus Kate event, it, it felt special knowing there would be limited am- amounts of fans in there. And I think the fans that w- were there, they were, I think they were aware that they were partaking in history of of sorts, and that they were privileged to be there. And like, like as I said, I there weren't any, there wasn't any wooing in the first first two fight cards. It took until the fifth fight of the the third fight card for for that to for that to happen. But again. Kairos, you made a good point about fans dictating how fighters uh, fighters fight, and like that makes me think of how Justin Gaethje would have fought against Tony Ferguson if that fight was in uh, was in front of fans. Because I don't think if that fight was in front mm. of like after the first round or whatever, I think Gaethje would have just gone guns blazing. <laughs> I think he, I, th- I think he just would have gone guns blazing. Maybe the the he wouldn't have been as calm and as methodical as he was in the who did so he fought James Vick in the the Barboza fights beforehand. I think he just would have gone back to Rock'em Sock'em Robot, James, uh, uh, Justin Gaethje that fought Michael, uh, Mike, Michael Johnson and uh, Eddie Alvarez. But I'm happy fans are back, man. It was it was it was good to to hear them. Granted, I think the fans that were in Abu Dhabi were fans who they weren't they weren't as rowdy, and I think I can attribute that to their financial situations because of the fans that would have come to Abu Dhabi. And like, I think you'd have to have a lot of money to come to Abu Dhabi and like tickets weren't, tickets weren't cheap as well. Like I think some of the tickets, cheapest tickets for two, five, seven were like 200 pounds. So, but anyway, I'm happy fans are back, but it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens when they come back to, uh, to North, (laughs) to North America, when it's UFC Saskatoon or wherever, do you know, do you know what I mean? So I'm happy they're back and I'm happy for the wooing. I'm just happy for the return of what made it an event. What yeah. made it an event was spontaneous ways of behavior. I hate the wooing. It's not for me, but it's for the fans. And if they're enjoying it, if they're having a good time, that for me underpins the UFC experience. The live experience, you just can't get anything better. Yeah. So who are we to be curtailing people's woos? Who are we to be curtailing things like the wave? Who are we to be curtailing behavior? Come on, let's just embrace the fact that fans were safely, and this is the word which I think yeah. is key and has been missing from your dialogue, your conversation, your spiel up until now, the fans are in the building safely. And I, for one, champion that. Well, if you had read my piece recapping Fire Island, sir. So then... was it in Sun? <laughs> would have read it then, would I? <laughs> well, if you would uh no, no, or if you paid attention to the comments that I was uh I was dropping in the in, in the in the DMs and me telling you that I was locked up like Akon for 48 hours in my room that I couldn't do anything, but 
But yeah, you know what, bro, I must, I must be, I must be really, really blind to this, this chat. The only reason I knew you were on Fight Island was when Kairos said he's on. Uh, do you have room in your suitcase? I'm like, his brother gone to Fight Island. <laughs> you didn't know. I didn't even know. I didn't even know. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wanted to. I wanted to just keep things in the on the DL because obviously I didn't want to. Like, <laughs> I, I didn't want to get there right and then potentially test positive. I didn't want to broadcast. Like, yeah, I'm on Fight Island. I'm on wait to Fight Island, and then no one might like test positive for COVID, and then I have to go back mm. home. You know what yeah. I mean? I, did, I didn't want to. I didn't want to test fate <laughs> until I was there, until I was past my tests and and what have you. But I'm happy fans are back. Kairos. I, I I I disagree with you at, at, at this moment in time. That you, it seems that you're against fans being there at this moment. I just I'm against fun. No, I'm joking. I'm against. <laughs> I'm just against people influencing the fight indirectly or directly. Like, I understand that people are going to be. I'm one of the most rowdy people on earth. Like, if there's anybody who could understand, I'm I'm a very loud person at a sporting. I'm a very expressive person in general. I just don't like it when fans are upset with the way a fighter is fighting and act out as a result of it. Like, the, let me not even talk about the wooing. Okay, you can woo all you want. Go ahead and woo all you want. But I just don't like it when it's like, push the action, get up, stand them up. And they start the stuff like that. It's just like, okay, I understand that you have the right to talk about what you want to see. But what happens for example, like how you were just talking, what if the crowds was hyping up Justin Gaethje to the point where he's like, you know, fuck all this, fuck this game, I'm going out there and TKOs him in the fifth round. You have just directly influenced the outcome of a fight that might not have happened, or maybe it would have, we'll never know because we have, they won't fight each other under the same circumstances in the yeah. same time period. We'll never know what would happen. Same scenario where just like when Connor fights with a crowd, it's, it's just something about his ability to shine bright with the like, I'm not saying that Justin or that Dustin would have won, but I'm just saying like, who knows how the fight would have went with five, not five hundred, with fifty thousand people chanting, and you have the foggy dew mist, you have people screaming with the flag. Like, who knows what would have happened? Who knows? And the thing is, as well, that's that's a valid point that you made. Dustin Poirier was booed when he walked in. Dustin Poirier was booed by like the, the by the two thousand like six hundred fans who were in when when he came in. I don't know if that if that um didn't pick if the uh, cameras didn't pick it up, but. A home, but yeah, he was booed by some people. Yeah, so I, I didn't hear it. Wow. As you as you as you said, now imagine that's like uh, twenty thousand. Eight, eight, how many? T-Mobile Arena is eighteen thousand, and the the Irish come out in force. So imagine that's like maybe six or seven thousand Irish fans who are screaming and booming at you. That that could have a psychological effect on you. Yeah, he Dustin said the moment wasn't big for him anymore. I was like, okay, you're still fighting. The only thing that's changed between. I guess you could say he's matured as a fighter over time and gotten better. Maybe that also played a factor into it. But I guarantee you this, though. There's something about performing in front of a crowd. Like when I was playing sports, it was completely different when there was nobody in the stadium to when it was playoffs in the conference tournament and the stadium was packed and people were just shouting like, go kill yourself. It's a different experience. And that's what and that's at a lacrosse game. We aren't filling out an entire basketball, football arena. We're filling out some bleachers. And I feel that. I feel that when I'm on the field. So I can only imagine how that's directly affecting someone who's actually competing and it's a one-on-one -on -one sport, like, as we say. Yeah, like, like fighters talk about all the time when they go fight in Brazil. And, ooh, vamos, hey. Like, You're going to die? 
Yeah, you're gonna. I, I was I was there for the Nami Yunus uh, Andrade card, and when they say that man, it's quite menacing. It's quite like intimidating as well. Like, granted, I was a, hell in the, in the crowd, but <laughs> yeah. yes. And there's a reason why every single fighter, I, I believe it was every single person who was challenged a champion in Brazil over the course. It was like over the course of like a decade. It was a crazy stat. It was like one and a half to two decades has never kept their belt or taken the belt when the person was in Brazil. And that's for good reason. Everyone would say, well, they, they probably were easing up on the drug test or whatever they want to say. But the fact of the matter is that crowd, that crowd influences you. Yeah. Whether you want to admit that it, it is a big influencer. They even say new Rama hair at the weigh-ins, man. Like, and I was just like, what? Yeah, I was like, I was like these people don't play. Like, <laughs> I'm just trying to cut weight. <laughs> I'm, trying to cut I'm trying to show up to the fight. But the thing is, as well, it's 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 weird because obviously they're they're such nice and friendly and welcoming people in Brazil and in South America as well. But yeah, when it comes to fight night, like you're going to die. It's just, May, I'm, I could be wrong, you know, I like, obviously I've been wrong a lot today and maybe I'm just getting emotional about it, but I just like, I wouldn't be opposed to having another few events without as many fans there. I said it, oh. I said it. And you, you talk about fights uh, influencing, like fighters being influenced, like Stipe, if he, well, he's going to be fighting Francis and that's going to be in the apex. And no, nobody's going to be saying, oh, why aren't you fucking swinging and banging with Francis, blah, 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 whatever. Because obviously, Stipe is going to be evasive. He, he's going to be evasive. In, in, people in- are going to do no. I think people are going to try and goat him into it. You think? Yeah. Yes, I think so. Because I remember when DC was fighting Stipe. And in that first round, DC was clobbering him with that grappling. And as soon as he was getting control, people were booing. I remember. I was like, y'all know this is a 10-8 round, right? And look what happened. The very next round, DC abandoned it and continued to abandon the game plan and continued to abandon until the yeah. fourth round where Stipe TKO'd him. He grappled for one round, got a little bit of booze, and completely, he, if he did not get booed, he might have kept wrestling. And who knows how that fight would have turned out. But we'll never know now. Just before we wrap up, I think it'd be kind of remiss of us not to talk about what we're looking forward to this fight night, Overeem versus Volkov. Um... For me, I have to say, I, I want to see the return of the Ream. I want to see the return yep. of the Ream to his former glory. But I'm a little bit worried that, you know, Alexander Volkov has looked good of late. I'm worried that, you know, Alistair is up there in terms of war weariness and age. And I, I just can't help but think that this isn't going to be the walk in the park that people are expecting. I'm still going to pick Alistair because... That's my guy. You know, we, we claim him as a... He's English, born in these shores. What's that? English, he was born in these shores. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Um, and, and, and for me, you know, I like the fact that, you know, he, he spent a lot of time in Houseland, uh, Hounslow, West Side. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm just going to, you know, go with my gut here. I'm, I'm going with Alistair for the win. How about you guys? Who else are you looking, looking forward to on the card? Uh... Who else is fighting? That this is oh man, Frankie Edgar, man. The answer, Mister Mister Defier of Father Time. Hmm. The man is thirty nine years old and he's still mixing it with the elite of the. Well, granted, he's just joined the bantamweight division, but he's still top five. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm actually uh, in the process of transcribing an interview I did with Mark Henry because I wanted to speak to him and just ask about like 
how how this man is, as I said, is defied father time for so long and has managed to remain valorant in three weight classes. Mm. And correct me if I'm wrong. So if Frankie Bed Edgar beats Corey Sanhagen, I know I know that's a big if. Mm. I'm pretty sure he'll be the first part, like, and, and if he gets a title shot, he'll be the first fighter to have title shots in three different weight classes. Yeah. Nobody, nobody else has had off the top of my head. Nobody is like is fought for titles of three weight classes. I can't think. No, I I, I can't. We've got, yeah. So yeah, I'm 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 pumped for that fight. I, I mean, it's a, it's a tough one. Like the, the Pedro Munoz fight was a more winnable fight. He's uh he was a bantamweight that's more around Frankie's size, and obviously Pedro's style was uh, more tailored to Frankie. But Corey Sanhagen's going to be a a tough. Uh, a tough obstacle to overcome. I'm surprised. I, I thought you would have jumped in there straight with Britain's own Molly McCann versus Lara. Oh, yeah. I mean, any any feelings on that? I mean, I know I asked just to pick one, but you know, I think it'd be kind of remiss of us not to mention the the, the sole Brit on the card. No, uh, and, and, Mo- and Molly's my girl. I'll uh, I'll actually shoot her a message. I was going to message her before she she uh, she flew out, but I I didn't didn't get a, a chance to do that. It's a uh, She's fighting that Lara Propicio, uh, if I'm correct. Propicio. Yeah, um, but I'm pretty sure she's coming in off a USADA suspension. Suspension. Wow. Yeah. That's. If anyway, that that's that's neither here nor there. Obviously, this is a big fight for Molly because she had the three fight win streak over late 2019, and then into um. No, yeah, late late 2018 into into 2019, and then obviously the momentum stopped on Fight Island when she fought what was the girl, the Talia Santos. Yeah, Talia Santos. So th- th- this is a big fight for her to get back uh, to resume her pursuit of the of, of the top 15, and I think an impressive win will probably get her a slot back in the rankings. Yeah, how about you, Carlos? Yeah, ranking. Um, Cody Stamen, I just, I'm a big fan of his style. I remember the first time I watched the fight, I think it was like UFC 235 or something like that. It probably was 235, but he's on a, he's facing a short notice opponent. It's, um, I forget, I forget the person. I think it's Askar, Askar, Askar. Yeah, no, yeah. So there's two, so there's Askar, Askarov. <laughs> yeah, there's Askar, Askar, and then there's Askar, Askarov. God damn. Askarov is the, uh, he, he's death. Askar Askarov is deaf, which a lot of people don't know. It's a crazy story. So when he goes into his fights, he like he can't hear his coaches. Sorry, is, which, sorry, just for my own clarity, Askar Askar is the athlete who's deaf, right? Askar Askarov. Oh right, yeah. But Cody Stamen is uh, clashing Askar Askar on Saturday. Correct. Uh, my, I'm confused with all my... I, I don't even... <laughs> Yo, what? <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, I think that's a solid fight. 100% deaf. He's, yeah, he's not the one that Cody Stamen's fighting. And I mean, oh, it's somebody should do a feature of, of somebody. I, I should probably do it myself on Ask Grass for to, to be 12-0 and 0 undefeated, man, with like being deaf. Yeah. As well. It's crazy. Is it like complete... Like, I don't know how to... He was born. This question. He was born deaf. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you're looking forward to Stamen? Yeah, I think I think Stamen's solid, man. I think he's going to be a sizable favorite, especially because it's a short notice. I wouldn't be surprised if they put this man like plus four hundred, just because he's a grinder. And oh, 
Michael Johnson, here's the, here, okay, I, this sounds crazy for me to bring up Michael Johnson for a fight that I'm excited for, but here's what I think, okay. Oh, Clay Guido, yo, yeah. Yes, here's what I think. Because when Michael Johnson first went down to 145, I was just like, he should be fine. There aren't too many great grapplers. And I see him like actually shoot for a takedown against Artem. I'm just like, okay, this is enough. He ain't going to do well at 145. And like you had his ups and downs. He fought Darren Elkins and got submitted in the second round after just like ripping him to shreds in the first round. But I think him at 155 pounds is just where he's just going to perform better. He just happens to get out grappled by the superior grapplers in the division. Sure, Clay Guida can grapple, but I think I think now is the time where Michael Johnson's going to get a little bit of momentum. I'm not saying he's going to break the top 15. I'm not saying he's going to fight for a title, but I think he can get some wins together. Also, right, we've hmm. got to give some love to correct me. People can feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. The most informed lightweight on the planet, not named Habib Nurmagomedov, the one, the only Benil Dariush is also fighting Carlos Diego Ferrer. That's a, yep. That's, yep. that's a big fight. And I mean, if Dariush wins, that's six fights in a row that you would have won. Why did they schedule this? This is a rematch. Like, I don't understand why they even scheduled this bout. It's an exciting fight, and I like both of them. But it's just like, I feel like at a certain point, you shouldn't even... I don't think they should do rematches unless it's like, all right, well, I have the title and you've worked your way back up to it. Cause it's just like, yeah, I don't know. Why, why even take a rematch to be honest with you? Like but saying that, I mean, yeah, Carlos is on a what six fight win streak and he yes. like, beat Anthony. It was Anthony Pettis. So he didn't fight in, uh, well, he fought obviously that was in 2020, early 2020, but he didn't fight again in 2020. So, I mean, and he beat some other good names to beat off. He beat Marabek Tysimov as well, who a lot of people are high on. And I'm pretty sure he beat Olivia Auburn Marcier as well before Mercier's kind of decline. But yeah, I, you're like, probably I mean, right. That's that's a re- that's a really good fight for that's a really, really good fight. I mean, Diego's gotta speed it up though. He's reaching he's 36 years old right now. So yeah. he's yeah. only got so much left. It's either I think this is his do or die moment. Cause you look at the outlook of the division right now. There's going to be a lot of rematches. And, and, and speak about, there's going to be so many rematches. Connor's begging for his rematch with Dustin. Dustin's talking about, fight, like, and Nate's trying to get his re. So it's like this whole triangle of just, I'm, that's why I don't think people should be doing these rematches because that's why these divisions get clogged up. Every single time we think that we're starting to get space in these divisions, some bullshit happens and no one gets the fight. It happens every single time with this division. That's why I don't even think 155 is one of the most stacked divisions in the in the UFC anymore. Just because you have too many people who take titles or who take positions in rankings and the ranking masters don't drop them for losing or don't drop them for being inactive and they get these rematches or they're waiting for their rematches and no one's moving up or moving down. I just... That's why I, I, I'm not a fan of this fight for that exact reason. Not because I don't think it's going to be exciting. Not because I don't think these fighters are awesome. And I don't watch them. I just don't like the implications of this fight. It's just like, why? Just why? Just wait. Just wait. We're going to get, we're going to get uh, Kevin Lee, Ally Quinn, a three coming up. Oh my God. No. <laughs> well, oh mean, no. We've got to think of like Kevin coming back into the lightweight division. Who does he fight? Who does he fight? Maybe. Okay. Maybe a Dan Hooker. I don't know. Paul but, Felder, Dan Hooker. He's got options. Yeah. Because, well, obviously we want to see the Islam Makachev fight, but that's, in fact, let me look up, look at the rankings right now. Let me 
I'm telling you, it's bullshit. There are people who are ranked, who have been ranked, who should not be. Connor is way too high in those rankings. He's way six. too high. He's six. He, way too high. Oh. You think about this. When was the last time he won a fight at 155 pounds? 2016. Yeah. How can you keep that ranking? Dominic Cruz would be out for four plus years and it took them like three or four years just to move him down like three spots. It's just like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous how these ranking masters handle 155. Well, that's yeah. why I just- Okay, you, uh, uh, you know that you've got your, your subject ready then and rearing for next week's shot fired. Okay, gents, <laughs> any more for any more just before we uh, wrap up and- uh, Go our separate ways of our guns kind of smoking. I really enjoyed that uh, that Black History Month um, chat. That for me, that was the epitome of this podcast, really. Because, you know, for me, we talk about Black Lives Matter. But, you know, underpinning that, are those actual words? Black lives do matter. And it's incumbent upon each of us to make sure people know that. I'm not talking about the p- political affiliation. I'm talking about those words. Black Lives Matter. Separate the weak from the opposite. Fleet hard to creep in Brooklyn Street. It's on against stop all that bickering beat.